Okay, I'm here with Shanice, and I'll let you introduce yourself. Uh, my name is Shanice J. Lewis. I'm from London, and my study is frequency of islet autoantibodies in relative children with type 1 diabetes, which I've been diagnosed with type 2. Um, so I'm, I'm a first year PhD student at the University of Bristol, and my postdoc mainly focuses on the Bart Oxford study, which was um, which my group currently works on. So I was so there's increasing evidence that suggests that type one and type two can occur at any age and share similar clinical manifestations, mm -hmm. which then hinders the disease classifications, specifically in adults. Yeah. So. The following laboratory techniques can help distinguish type 1 from type 2. So it's the measurement of the islet autoantibodies and calculating the type 1 diabetes genetic risk score. So the aim of our study was to determine whether relatives of children with type 1 who have been diagnosed with type 2 possess any immunological or genetic phenotypes characteristics observed in type 1. So we analysed um, the probands of the box study and whenever we recruit someone who has type 1 diabetes, we also um, collect samples and um, do questionnaires on their relatives. Mm -hmm. So everyone that's in the study are relatives of those type 1 programs. So all their um, islet autoantibodies were measured before their type 2 diagnosis. And the type 1 GRS was also calculated through um, using GRS2, which uses 67 common variants. And the islet autoantibodies were tested by radio binding assays. That was all done before their um, type 2 diagnosis. So in our cohort, there were 229 individuals that were tested for islet autoimmunity, and we found that 31, which is 40%, had islet autoantibodies, with GADA being the most prevalent islet autoantibody, which is expected due to the age of population, GADA is not seen in those that are adults, and the mean age of our cohort was 54. But we also saw that IAA was the second most common um, islet autoimmunity um, islet autoimmune antibody, um, which I wasn't expecting because IAA decreases with age and is not really picked up due to um, issues with endogenous insulin treatment, which okay. can be seen as being IAA through um, assays. So it usually has to be tested within two weeks, and this was done within two weeks. Okay. So we saw that there was a high prevalence of GADA in, and islet autoantibodies in the insulin treated group. Uh, which was higher than the non-insulin treated group, which only about uh, only seven out of twenty were GADA positive in non-insulin and thirteen for insulin. And we then looked at the type one GRS, which was increased in the islet autoantibody positive um, type two individuals, uh, but it didn't differ between insulin treatment. So overall, I um, my hypothesis and my conclusion and hope <laughs> is that. Um, the type 2 relatives actually have type 1 due to the islet autoimmunity being 14%, right. which is higher than a previous study that I've seen that saw 10%, okay. and that they have type 1 diabetes specific GRS, which is increased. Um, so it also questions that um, what their diagnosis is and highlights that islet autoimmunity, islet autoantibodies need to be measured in type 2 populations, both pre diagnosis, um, especially. Just especially if they have relatives that have type 1, just to see whether they actually have type 1 
and the main strength of this study is that this was all done pre-diagnosis and not post. Right. Okay. This is super interesting and different than anything that I've heard so far today about looking at the correlations and cross-correlations. Does it suggest, based on your um, hoped for conclusion, that there, there might be some other form of type X diabetes that isn't just in the bucket of one or in the bucket of two? That's, that's a difficult comment because I think they have type 1 right. but it could be argued that because I've seen 14% and given that the global epidemiology of type 1 is 10% and it's a little bit higher right. that they could have another form of diabetes such as ladder yeah. so they could have late, um, a later onset mm. of um, diabetes or they could be adult onset type 1s right. which is what I think they are I was going to say it sounds like it's just late onset or either yeah, adult onset but they could have ladder yeah. or some other form Right. but I definitely need to do um, testing. Right. It was super, super interesting. And based on what you've heard in the talk so far, is there anything that you felt might inform your next step of research or that you got inspired by? I was really intrigued about the issue of age, right. which I'm sure was a very stimulating um, yeah. <laughs> argument, um, mainly because this cohort was... Uh, only 3% were under 18. Okay. So I am interested in combining um, the younger onset of type 2 diabetes, especially with the increase of obesity right. in children. There's more of a prevalence in type 2 in children now than there was before. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to see the difference with age, right. with the, ch- the childhood cases and the adult cases, to see, okay, there's IAA in the, in the adult. But did they have this from childhood? Was this all from childhood before they came into the study? Because I don't have information from before their first sampling. And as I said, only 3% were under 18 at the time of sampling. So... Those are really great points. Oh, yeah. thank you. Did you have any more questions, Maggie? No, no? it's really, really exciting. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening to me. Yeah, of thank course. you.